Hello and welcome to Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with. What we listen to and hear throughout the day can shape how we feel. If we feed and nourish our soul with wholesome conversations from everyday people, filled with positivity and stories that people can relate to, you may feel less alone and even inspired. We're all working through stuff and sometimes you need to hear conversations that have failures, successes and everyday struggles. Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with is listening to others talk about how they have journeyed through life so far, including some top tips for you to take away. Hello and welcome back to Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with now today or I should say tonight really. We're recording this quite late so me and Sarah are a bit like but we're going to bring it. Um, <laughs> this is going to be amazing. I think for me, this conversation is going to be one of the ones that I've been most looking forward to because it really gets to the heart of something that I think um, is just um, a huge thing that's going on right now. And so for somebody with a real specialism like Sarah to talk about, it's going to be amazing. So we welcome with huge open arms, Sarah Mani. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks, Manny. It's so nice to see you. Yeah, it's amazing to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. So for those people out there who don't know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am a singing teacher in a higher education. So I work with um, musical theatre students doing sort of degree level courses I was a performer um, up until a few years ago when I had my first child and then I decided to take a master's in voice pedagogy, which is kind of a really fancy way of saying singing teaching. <laughs> um, and I've just come to the end of that. So I'm, I, I've, you know, I've been studying for the last three years alongside working and I'm sort of now trying to integrate that work into what I do every day. Yeah, amazing. And so we talk a lot about um, well-being. This is our thing. This is what we're really focusing on. So the question that I always ask everyone is, what does well-being mean to you? Oh, that's a big one. It's a really big so, question. I'm just a small <laughs> question to start the interview off. Small opener. <laughs> I think it means kind of having enough self-awareness to know where your comfort zone is with things and being able to sort of check in with yourself whether it's how your body's feeling or when you're sort of spiraling into stress like I I, I know now I'm still working on it but if oh, I'm really? working yeah but if I'm if I'm working too much and trying to fit too many things in and I can I I just sense that something's not right and the sort of anxiety just goes up a little bit. And it's the the idea of well-being, I guess, is being able to check in with yourself and go, hang on a minute, I actually need to address this and figure out exactly what it is that I've kind of tipped over the edge with. And can I take a bit more time for myself? Do, do I need to, you know, talk to somebody? Do I need to just phone a friend and decompress? Um, rather than just spiraling with it and getting more and more out of control. So I think well-being is just basically, you know, it's obviously taking care of yourself, but it's knowing how to mm. and knowing when to as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And do you think as a person, you've got better at that self-awareness of when you need to take a step back or just stop and reflect on what's going on in your kind of very busy life? I'd like to think so. (laughs) I don't know if my husband would agree, but actually, (laughs) um, I think so. I think I'm better as I've got older at sort of recognising cues and going, okay, that is my body. I had this amazing um, quote from somebody that said, um, you need to listen to your body. I actually can't remember the exact quote, but something like, listen to your body talk to you before it has to scream at you so I I know that that's a misquote but it's really close to that doesn't matter um (laughs) and I love that and it's about just being able to go how am I feeling how is my mind feeling how's my body feeling and when it's a small thing you start addressing it then rather than letting it go to sort of an extreme when it's much harder to come back from yeah that and that's something that I think we talk about quite often you know with like tiny things that go wrong it's like you 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 just kind of push them away and push them away but every at the end they've got to come to a head and it's got to somehow blow and if you can get a handle on that before it gets to that point it's that kind of mindset isn't it which I love right and I think like as you say when when you're pushing things away all the time it's like you're you know you're trying to control a situation that you can't you can't always control and this feeds into like a a lot of the research I've been doing on acceptance and actually sometimes like accepting something how it is can can help a lot better than than Mm -hmm. either trying to control it or to avoid it yeah and that's one one big thing that I have learned actually yeah just have sort of more acceptance of the the whole uh range of human emotions and be okay with with it is okay to feel stuff yeah and I Um, think acceptance goes a bit hand in hand with a bit more self-compassion so once you start to accept things that are either beyond your control or something that you just you know you've been working on for a while and you just have to go actually do you know what that's actually all right the way it is that just leans a little bit into I'm just going to have a moment of being kinder to myself here and self-compassion is huge isn't it it's absolutely huge and I think this you know our generation and, and the next generation below are not familiar with that as a concept and people can be so critical and and have such high perfectionist you know standards of themselves that you push and push and push and and self-compassion is huge there's um I don't know if you know of Kristin Neff is her name Mm. she's American um she does loads of work on self-compassion just her books and even just her YouTube videos are, are really worth a watch because you you suddenly I showed them to some of my students actually and they were like what is this <laughs> self-compassion <laughs> yeah. and so it's a hard thing to learn actually though to be kind yeah. to yourself and to allow yourself off the hook sometimes yeah um, but yeah really important yeah it's a practice like anything let's get right into um your work as well so um it must be a massive weight 
off your mind, even though um, it's been incredible, the work that you've done, and I'm sure it's just given you so much. It was a big task to undertake um, doing your <laughs> MA in voice pedagogy and, and what you've specialised in, which is performance anxiety. Just tell us a bit about the, the umbrella of what you've looked at and then maybe just pick out some key points we can chat about. Yeah, so um, it was I, I, I did a three year course uh, with a place called the the voice study center it was called voice workshop actually and now it's called the voice study center um and it's really like the first really specialist uh kind of training institute for master's level and pg cert as well um to, for people to kind of distance learn um on a sort of part-time course but it's so open to how you want to study Mm. anything really to do with a voice so I went into this course expecting to do lots of research on belting and how do I get a mix and like just vocal technique that I thought my you know I'd like to dig into the science of yeah and um actually I did a little bit on on things like that and breathing methodology and you know more technical aspects of teaching singing and then I was as I was working with my students, I was seeing more and more um, people with with performance anxiety, basically. But I mean, I didn't really know a huge amount about it. I guess it used to be known as stage fright. Mm. Uh, and uh, and I just thought, how how can I help these students? Like, I need to know more about this to see if I can actually do something for them so pretty early on in the course I just sort of changed my tack and started researching into performance anxiety um, which can be called music performance anxiety in when you're looking at like the academic literature there's a lot more about it if you look up music performance anxiety um, but again the, there wasn't a huge amount of stuff out there for singers um, there was quite a lot of research done on musicians um, so I just thought oh, I need to research this, I need to find out about it, and I need to find strategies uh, about how to help my students. And so, yeah, I've just kind of done one, one assignment after another on looking at that from different angles. And then my final research project, sort of a culmination of all of that, was looking at one specific intervention called ACT, which stands for acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, and obviously I'm not a therapist in any way, nor do I want to be, um, but I was kind of looking at it from a coaching angle. Mm. So I, I, I designed a coaching course basically um, to use these techniques of acceptance um, mainly and the commitment side which is kind of focusing on what your values and your goals are as a performer um and yeah did a, a huge project on that with really interesting outcomes for the mm -hmm. students that I did it with um very promising and I'm I'm now writing up a uh an article which hopefully pretty soon is going to be published um, in an academic journal, which is wow, very exciting. That's yeah. amazing. Well, congratulations yeah. for that, first off, because that's amazing. Um, 
It's so interesting because um, obviously I teach at higher education as well. And I would say that the rise of performance anxiety is, is, is huge. And I think it's something that isn't just the pandemic related. I think, like you say, back, back in the olden days when we were both performers it, it was stage right you know we, we didn't really have performance anxiety that's not what it was called um so no, and been around hasn't it it has but I think no one's no one really talked about it yeah I'd never really um like I knew people that um got so sort of nervous, nervous that they couldn't yeah. perform or they would lost, lose their lines or they would say about having you know panic attack in a scene or something but I think there has sort of been a quite a lot of like taboo around the subject because yeah. people feel like if you're given an opportunity to be a performer it's such a competitive industry anyway like you you almost feel like there's something wrong with you if yeah. if you can't handle the the pressure or whatever but now that it's started to be talked about it's so much more prevalent and you know there's avenues now where people can get help yeah. for it and I mean still not enough but I think it's really important that it's brought to the forefront and that emerging performers know what this is yeah. and they know that it's okay and that it's normal and they can get support with it Mm. and there's strategies that they can use and they can just talk about it because yeah. I just don't think it's been talked about yeah before. I think that's a really good point that you make as well about um you know this is what you want to do it's your it's your passion it's your gift you know how could you possibly feel like you don't want to do it how could you be standing even not even at the side of stage but entering a studio for a class and feeling like you can't sing that day you know mm -hmm. and that's happened so much to me this year and you know, I'm always of the opinion that it's that's fine. I'll meet you where you are. If that's if it's not okay for you right now, how do you feel about just coming in and watching mm -hmm. and joining the class? Even if that feels too much, go home, have a rest, do what you need to do. Because I suppose back when when maybe we were training, it was very much pull yourself together, get in the space, get you know, get on with it, which I suppose has been the whole X mantra of well-being in general is we just get on with it you know in terms right. of our attitudes and mental health and thank goodness that's changing and in our industry right and I think that attitude you know from from past generations has pushed really promising performers out of the industry because mm -hmm. they've gone oh well there's clearly something wrong with me or you know they but you're obviously yeah a compassionate teacher who can who can spot those sort of things in their students and I think I think a lot of teachers are learning a lot more about it and yeah. I think the more awareness actually singing teachers can have across the board of the fact that certain behaviors in their students yeah. might be down to performance anxiety yeah. rather than I don't know rudeness yeah. laziness lack of preparation <laughs> don't get me wrong sometimes it is those things but <laughs> yeah just it's about having that little extra thing oh hang on is there something else going on with you here yeah and also I think teachers really want the tools to be able to help their students yeah 
And I think I think back in, you know, maybe even seven or eight years ago, if some people were extremely nervous, I used to um, say, how about turning around? How about just looking at the wall? Uh, and sometimes they would be all right with that. And sometimes even that was just a little bit much. And I'm not sure in those days that I dealt with it as well as I did now. So, you know, as as uh, it was Maya Angelou, isn't it? You know, if you, when you know better, you do better. And hopefully I, had, I do do better now than maybe I, I used to do. Maybe I did push a bit too hard, at, you know, a few years ago. But now I absolutely know that it's it's not my push to make it's got to be them when you know that the work's been done it's just how they're feeling you know right exactly and I mean even doing something you know as a teacher to to throw different ideas at them even something like that like I think you rather than just toe the line and get up and do it or sit out it's I think it is really it's great to sort of find different opportunities and it's going to be different for every student in what Mm. Uh, you know what kind of helps them yeah yeah so this isn't a one-size-fits-all so what have you got a couple of little examples of of you know presumably you trial a few things with well probably quite a lot of students if you were doing many case studies but are there any any highlights anything you know especially for our um students that are currently training and even you know, people who have been 20 years in the industry, people who still feel this, because that is still the case. You know, I, I'm sure you have friends, I have friends who have been in this industry for years who still suffer with with performance anxiety. Are there any little tips? Right, so yes, I mean, loads. I mean, I'm sure there's loads, yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I actually did on the study was a whole six-week programme. So I, I had uh, one hour a week with... Um, a group of six participants who had all had high levels of performance anxiety um, before coming onto the course and I kind of wrote this I, I, I used you know a few pieces of literature actually to um, help me kind of design how it would work um, but I essentially used all the tools from this uh, therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy so within that um, they uh, encourage things like uh, there's mindfulness practices so uh, using you know meditative techniques um, to kind of on a re- very regular basis so we did mindfulness every session um they have diffusion techniques so that literally means like to defuse with your thoughts so when you're kind of identifying anxious thoughts or feelings coming up related to your performing there's little strategies um, that you can use to kind of like unhook your thoughts from yourself so they're not like there's this great metaphor um, that comes from kind of the act community where if you place a hand right in front of your face you just kind of can't see through and it's about like just move it away it's still there but it's not attached to you anymore and you've just suddenly got all this space to see um so diffusion techniques would be things like singing your thoughts so if you think if you're one of your kind of 
things going around your head is like uh you're going to be judged for this performance or you're never going to hit that high note or you're such a rubbish singer you sing it and you go yeah. like you're never gonna hit that note yeah you're never gonna hit that note and all of a sudden that thought isn't as scary or give it a silly voice like a silly little character like mm. it's a little pink fluffy monster going like everyone's gonna be laughing at you because you're so <laughs> terrible um and, it's, and that technique worked really well because yeah. um it kind of made them laugh you know and they yeah. could use that when these thoughts would come up um I used a lot of self-compassion as I mentioned before yeah. so just kind of identifying the difference between critical thoughts self-critical thoughts and compassionate thoughts um also um setting your values as yeah. a performer so just kind of got people to make a little list of like what do they value about being a performer so it might be things like um communicating the emotion of of the text in a song or it might be being a bold and daring performer or you know different things like that um might be really engaging with my scene partner anything like that and um as people kind of identify their values it gives them a different focus so you can go in and go right that that's what I'm holding on to and I'm going to commit to all my actions being in line with my values now mm -hmm. rather than kind of avoiding things like I don't know not coming to class <laughs> yeah or um controlling things so pushing things away or you know and so there are so many it's amazing it's so interesting as well because obviously I've 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 got coaching qualifications and so much of what you're saying aligns with just general kind of coaching practices so I would always um talk to anybody who's who's coming for coaching about what their values are and what their core beliefs are because everything then is structured around that so even um just myself thinking about some of the steps that I've taken this year um off the back of the pandemic everybody has had um a tough time and and it, it's been really challenging but what it has given everyone is time to reflect and a lot of us have then well hopefully a lot of us have gone back to what is the core value what are the what am I doing everything for and then everything yeah. else has to fit around that um so I kind of quite often I do a bit of a one two three so like I have like a main core core value that is like absolute non-negotiable Jake Humphrey talks about this on his high performance podcast which I love um about what what are your non-negotiables and some of my non-negotiables are at least two nights a week I have to have tea with my children and my husband and and nothing can come in the way of that and so it's it's about you know finding things and these are things that are like that but you're moving them into the performance world so you're saying what are the things that you are going to commit to with mm -hmm. this song or what are the things that you are what is your core belief here what are your values here and then yeah. that's the thing you hold on to so it's really it's a really great way of just reframing it yeah, it's so important so it just gives you that it just reminds you what you're doing it all for yeah it can get really lost when you're kind of spiraling yes. 
Um, and it helps you travel in that direction and you're making sure that everything you then do in relation to your preparation and your performance and your practice is all in line with those values and you're kind of then moving in the right direction all the time. Yeah. So that some of those students who went through that process with you, how how are they how are they now? Like what is their do they have a daily practice that they'll do or are some of them so far through this now because they've been doing it a while that they're seeing just huge results? What's because about the so, other side? Yeah, so basically I, I mean I don't personally teach any of these students. That was one of the sort of ethical considerations that I needed to do so none of them are actually my students although I I do see them around um but I after the six-week course I did um some interviews with them and then I did a follow-up after another three months uh to see how they were doing and and it was so great all of them after three months were still using the technique so they were um still doing mindfulness practice they were being much more compassionate to themselves they were sort of engaging in behavior that was much more in line with their values so they're making sure that they turned up to their lessons or they're making sure that they didn't beat themselves up if they made a mistake in a song and they just carried on and just address it at the end and were much more okay with it so I think I hope that they kind of all still um practicing these techniques um or or that they can kind of dip in and out of them if they need them so I I gave everyone like handouts from every session so they have low all the exercises and like a big reminder of everything that we did so hopefully they can sort of dip back into it if they need things yeah Uh, but yeah the, the the outcomes of the of the research were so positive I did a lot of um like questionnaires like self-assessments that were based on uh like very rigorously researched methods um so I was using these assessments all the way through um to sort of chart their progress in Mm -hmm. terms of like how oh another big thing is shame so how what kind of level of shame they would feel um after a performance or how whether they were engaging in behaviors that were um were in line with their values or how much they were fused with their anxious thoughts and feelings and also their symptoms so Mm -hmm. different symptoms that you can get from having performance anxiety whether it's physical you know trembling or shallow breathing um or kind of cognitive or behavioral symptoms um, and I took measures of these all the way through and again at three months after and and the trajectory that they'd gone on was just huge um I could show you the pictures but of the graph yeah took me ages to do the graph honestly <laughs> like wow. I the stats and stuff is not really my thing but amazing uh, we got there in the end so yeah you can really see on paper improvements Mm. in the participants and and I I have a lot of belief that that kind of works but I I I, it wasn't just a quick thing quick fix it was really engaging and practicing I gave them a little homework tasks every week to do um so I think 
when you have that level of performance anxiety it's probably something that you just need to really nurture over time and really get to grips with the different things that you can do and keep doing them Mm. it it goes back to something that um i was talking on um one of our episodes to Catherine, who is a mindset coach she's my cousin-in-law um and she was she made a point either on camera or off camera so if you didn't hear it in the episode it's because we talked about it before we were recording so I'll just explain we were talking about when you're training you spend a lot of time honing your techniques so you do acting you do singing you do dance and you'll do technique after technique and then you'll go home and you'll drill that technique and then in class you drill it again you make sure you do your stretch and release and your vocal warm-up and you stretch after you've danced and all of these things that become just this habit, this practice, but actually the bit missing, if you are suffering from performance anxiety, or even if you're not, like this kind of practice is huge. And as you said, this this is no quick fix. This is something that's got to be nurtured. And it's just like any aspect of somebody who's training to do anything, it has to be nurtured and practiced. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, as you say, I actually think making sure that you're practicing your technique and your, you know, that side of things is being nurtured as well is it goes a long way towards helping the performance anxiety as well. Because I mean, you can't undervalue preparation. Yeah. Like you, that's so important. Yeah. You need to be so on it and you need to be engaging in your practice and and your technique regularly. Um, but yeah, it absolutely goes along. And I, if I could say any one thing that anyone could just pick up now and be doing alongside their, their practice is mindfulness. Yeah. Like it's so accessible. There's literally videos and yeah. audio recordings all over the internet. Mm. Um, and if you can kind of have a little element of your performer's brain on with that mindfulness then Mm -hmm. then great but if it's just for general mindfulness that's also brilliant because what it does is it it's all about presence and it's all about coming back to the present moment so if you're practicing that daily that your mind can kind of drift off but you can go okay no it's going to bring you back to the present whether it's focusing on something you can see or hear or smell or just your breathing Mm. Um, you're training your neural pathways to know how to recognize when they're going spiraling off or you know whether if you're in a performance and you're suddenly having these hugely self-critical thoughts oh my god there's this note coming up or what is everyone saying about me or whatever you know you've drifted yeah and you use your mindful technique to go shunk come back to the room, come back to the character, come back to what I'm focusing on here with, mm. with the journey of the song. And that's not so easy to do unless you've practiced it and unless you've yeah. connected those pathways in your brain. So mm. I think that's a really easy thing to do for just a few minutes. Yeah. Even if you um, do it every day or a few times a week. Yeah. And I say this to um, some of my students quite often that we don't realize what two for ones we're getting So if you're having a moment where you're just going to, you know, relax at the beginning of a session in semi-supine, doing some breathing in and out just to see that rise and fall in the belly, what do they consider that to be? You know, it's it's a two for one, in my opinion. 
and 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 I think that's a real superpower that that actors and performers have is that we you know there's endless talk about breath and making yeah. sure that it's centered and 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 lying on the floor and making sure whatever methodology or whatever you subscribe to yeah. is always something that talks about the breath so yeah. we understand it well as as performers so to to use that and just think about it in a slightly wider sense in terms of a yeah. mindfulness sense I think is so powerful it's 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 it's, it's such a powerful thing to think about is. breath is so so important I mean, it's, it's our life force it's everything and I would even say that an exercise like that breathing exercises even a three for one because <laughs> you you who doesn't you, love a three for one it's an absolute bargain so basically <laughs> like not only are you kind of uh practicing being able to take a really nice low release breath for your singing technique yeah um you are also doing mindfulness because you're concentrating on your breathing and you're bringing yourself back into the room so you're kind of working on your presence mm -hmm. um your present moment awareness and also you're um you're basically calming the body at the same time so taking um so taking like for example taking a longer out breath than an in breath will kind of lower your stress levels lower reduce the adrenaline things like that say it's before a performance or something mm -hmm. so you're actually like calming your whole nervous system at the same time so yeah, i'd say it's a three for one three for one who yeah. who does not love a three for one that, <laughs> that is yeah honestly and i totally and utterly agree with you um Look, I could probably talk to you all night. Um, it's just, this has just been so, it's just exactly at the core of what I wanted these chats to be about, um, about our well-being, but with with this huge kind of focus on on perform performers. And I think, you know, this chat in particular will really resonate with so many people. Um, I hope so. Yeah, it really will. And the work you're doing is just incredible and so valuable. And there's so much to learn from what you've done. So I'm so kind of excited to 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 read stuff when it's published and to learn more about it myself. You know, to to to, to equip myself to help people more as well. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm I'm also kind of in the process of trying to write this the six week study that I did into a proper course, yeah. like a marketable course yeah. where I can coach whether people are professionals or students, if they kind of want to sign up. Um, so watch this space. Yes, watch this space, everyone. Um, so before we close, I just want you to, I mean, you've given us so much anyway, um, some amazing things to think about, some things to put into practice. Out of all of that, what are your quick top three? So for, for anybody listening now who is really thinking, yeah, this episode is for me, what are your final top three? This is what I would recommend that you try and incorporate into your practice. Okay, top three. So number one, just know that these little symptoms that you might experience, um, as I said before, kind of tr trembling or, or pounding heart or dry throat or stomach churning, all of those things, they are a pre-programmed response. They're to do with our survival instincts. So when we think, when we perceive a threat, 
and or if there is a real threat. But if we perceive a threat, which is what's happening in those moments, um, even if it's a social threat and from, from your peers and you think, you know, I'm going to be judged or whatever, the body will snap into survival mode. And there's basically not anything you can do to control it at that point. Yeah. So with so many people kind of that these things start happening to them and they go oh my god something's wrong everyone's going to see I'm my hands are shaking and I can't breathe and and actually the more you focus on those things the worse they're going to get mm. actually don't give them the time of day they're there they'll calm down by themselves when the adrenaline starts to wear off as you get into your song but if you start trying to control them they they'll kind of get worse so it's just know that that's a normal thing to happen um once your body realizes it's not under threat and you get into the flow of things it'll kind of calm down as long as you just don't focus on it don't give it any attention so that's one thing I would say is just don't be scared by those kind of things that that come up whilst you're performing just ignore them and they'll go away um Another thing I would say is if you have time, there's a couple of things on YouTube, which are like amazing to go and watch, which are about this, um, this method act. Um, and there's a guy called Russ Harris, who is, has got a series of like really short couple of minute little animated videos um, on YouTube. And they are so brilliant. They're, they're so accessible and really fun and, they kind of give you an insight to some of these techniques, mm. which you can use for, for general life or for, you know, performance in particular. Um, and also go and look at the work of Chris, uh, Kristin Neff yeah. as well on self-compassion, which is really, really important. Um, and thirdly, just to drill it home, like go back to the mindfulness techniques and just give yourself a few minutes here and there will do wonders not just for performing but for just everyday life yeah um and it really is you know growing your brain to be able to become more calm and more focused and more present um which are all things you need yeah as a performer and and human <laughs> yes what a way to end the episode Sarah, I can't thank you enough for your time. It's been amazing to have you on Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with. It's really been a conversation I'll remember. It's so, so relevant for, for oh. everything that I'm doing right now. And uh, yeah, for hopefully everyone listening and watching. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for being part of this Wellbeing with Manny community. It really means a lot to me that you can spare some of your precious time to listen to these conversations. Please share this episode with anyone you think would benefit from hearing these open and real conversations. And remember, talking is key. Who will you have a conversation with?